The Start On Demand. On demand. Players in the NBA boycotted Wednesday night's game in response to a police-involved shooting in Wisconsin. The NHL, meanwhile, was criticized for not doing enough. A Manitoba man has launched a constitutional challenge with the province over not being able to grow pot at home. He tells us why he so deeply cares about this issue for himself and for other Manitobans like him. Support for reducing plastic in grocery goods has eroded during COVID-19. And what are the dumb things you've done that could have so easily been avoided? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, August 27th podcast for The Start. Guys, I... uh... I need some help here. I'm an idiot. No, you're not. Just uh, I did it. Okay, I did an idiotic thing. There How's we go. That? Uh, that, that's perf- that's better language, Brett. <laughs> uh, I, I'm okay with calling myself an idiot though, because yeah. and it's I need uh, your help. I need your help. You listening to CJOB right now? Because yesterday I did a stupid thing. I'm 18th hole at the golf course. I hit my. I overshot the green on my approach. I had too many muscles, apparently. It was like Hercules. <laughs> but uh, I hit it too. I thought the ball was gone because the green, the 18th green, is surrounded by like a horseshoe of water. And uh, I thought the ball was in the water. I found it two inches shy of the water, and it's kind of like on a downslope, so mm-hmm. it's a little awkward. And uh, so while I was getting set up, I was just careless, and I stepped into the water. I felt like kind of top went back into the water. I didn't fall in, thankfully, but my left foot went in. And then to maintain my balance, I had to put my right foot in. So I'm <laughs> knee deep. I had no idea how deep the water was either. Oh, my word. Uh, thankfully, it was only up to my knees. But it was disgusting, swampy, mucky, gross water. I was wondering what that smell was in here this morning. Oh, terrible. And. Get up. Uh, Keep continue first, and then I'll ask my Okay. Question. So I was able to get them clean when I got home. It took me like an hour to clean them up, but they stink, and I don't know what to do about that. I don't want to get rid of these shoes. They're like top of the line Adidas, $250 golf shoes, mm-hmm. the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn, period. I don't know what to do. You're not wearing them. That's my question. Right I am now. not wearing them right okay. now. No, his shins still odor. smell, though. <laughs> Just another odor wafting from Brett right now. <laughs> I went what? home with a steel wool to get off that stink. <laughs> but uh, it's it's off of me. But the shoes, I don't know. They might be, they might be lost. So that's going to trigger a conversation at 645. I think one of our listeners will have a trick for you to save those shoes and to so. uh, destroy that odor. I, I have my fingers crossed for you. They're sitting the pro- on my balcony right now, airing out. Hopefully well, that the helps. The problem with odors is that they ling- like even though they might be gone, it, you might always continue to smell it like anyway because it's already in your brain. Like you've already decided they're stinky, and so I have a bad feeling that even if you get that odor out every time you put them on, <laughs> you're gonna be like, no, I can't. I smell it. I smell it. I smell it. So I can't you, do it. You could take you could take your shoes to the same uh, car wash that Jerry Seinfeld. Took his BMW too when he had uh, when he had the uh, odor inside, although that didn't work <laughs> oh, very well. The VO <laughs> situation, or you, did you try rubbing your shoes with deodorant? 
<laughs> just lay some just, with just speed r- sticks. Yeah, just all over. Give that a try. <laughs> axe. Get some of that Axe body spray. Yeah, oh, Axe yeah. body spray. Yeah, That'll do up. it for sure. <laughs> oh, don't, whatever you do, do not try to mask the smell. I think you, can, I think you should toss them in the wash. Yeah? Yeah. Leather shoes shot. in the wash? Yeah. Hey, the if, dishwasher. Do you have a dishwasher? I do have a dishwasher. Put them in the top shelf of the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they are leather. I get that, but. Well, it's worth a shot, I guess. Mm-hmm. But if you have any tips, too, on how to de-stink the shoes, the swampy shoes. to funkify <laughs> Brett's shoes. The quest. <laughs> uh, you remember that song, Functified by DeBrat? <laughs> Yes. From the early 1990s. Text us at 204-780-6868. And then at 645, we're going to have a conversation about the dumb things we've done that could have been so easily avoided. And you can text us those stories as well at 204-780-6868. In the meantime, I think it was the NBA. That was the first major domino to fall back in March that kind of triggered the mass shutdown for COVID-19. And now the NBA could be the first domino to put a stop to sports yeah well it'll be interesting to see if other sports follow suit loren but last night the milwaukee bucks decided that they were going to protest they were going to not play in their playoff game in the bubble in orlando last night and they um yeah protesting what's going on in their home state and then the rest of the nba teams decided to follow suit and then we also had three major league baseball games that were quote-unquote postponed last night because players uh, decided that they were not going to participate in solidarity with the milwaukee bucks yeah, and it's, it, that sort of triggered so many conversations last night and into into today because basically they're saying that they're protesting against um, obviously the shooting in Wisconsin, but also the systemic racism and, and, and police brutality against black people. And so that's led to all sorts of different uh, conversations within sport and right around the world and, and an additional conversation about what the NHL didn't do and the fact that it, it I think... It put up signs on its jumbotrons and its bubbles and kind of uh, had, start, had a conversation about racism, but they didn't end the game and they didn't boycott playing. And so that had all sorts of people talking, including some sports analysts, about why they thought the NHL kind of failed here, Greg, that they should have stepped up and done more. Well, you know, I, I'm in favor of people exercising their personal views, their personal rights. And if you feel strongly enough that you want to step away from the game that you love, your profession, in order to make a point, I think you should do that. Uh, The hockey players at this point, because this was not a mandated thing from the National Basketball Association, this was from the players themselves. And so that would be up to the players and whether or not the players feel strongly enough to do this. And I guess the NHL players are not there. They're not at that point where they feel compelled to step away from the game right now to uh, join the NBA teams who have decided to do just that. We continue now with the Milwaukee Bucks, who did not play yesterday in a boycott following that police-involved shooting of Jacob Blake. The boycott resulted in the NBA cancelling games for the rest of the evening. All three NBA playoff games scheduled for Wednesday have been postponed, with players around the league choosing to boycott in their strongest statement yet against racial injustice. Erica Vela of Global News brings us more details. An empty court sending a clear message. We are calling for justice for Jacob Blake and demand the officers be held accountable. 
It's a boy caught following the police shooting of a 29-year-old unarmed black man. On Wednesday, the Milwaukee Bucks were supposed to play the Orlando Magic, but the players didn't show. They say they're protesting systemic racism and police brutality. Despite the overwhelming plea for change, there has been no action. One of the voices you heard in that clip is that of Bucks guard Sterling Brown. Brown has a federal lawsuit pending against the city of Milwaukee, alleging he was targeted because he is black and that his civil rights were violated in January of 2018 when officers used a stun gun on him after a parking violation. Brown and teammate George Hill read the statement we heard in part. That statement came when the team emerged from its locker room nearly three and a half hours after its game was to begin. Here's more from Erica Vela. The owners showing their support for the players with this statement, which reads in part, although we did not know beforehand, we would have wholeheartedly agreed with them. About 15 minutes after that statement was released, the Toronto Raptors tweeting, we stand with our brothers. We're in the face of COVID-19 and there's not a lot going on, but what people are looking towards is sports for escapism. We've got athletes who are realizing they're in a in this powerful position to, to really amplify and try to accelerate the need for change that um, has been demanded for a while now. Over the past few days, candid conversations with some of the NBA's star athletes. I'm disappointed. I mean, I have a wide range of emotions right now. I don't know. It just feels like we stuck. Stuck over what happened on Sunday when Jacob Blake was shot several times by Kenosha police. Three of Blake's children were in the car at the time of the shooting, and his father says he is now paralyzed from the waist down. So the games that were postponed are the games between Milwaukee and Orlando, Houston and Oklahoma City, and the Los Angeles Lakers in Portland. Those are the games that did not play, and the NBA has said that those games will be rescheduled, although we don't know when that's going to happen. But we do not, not only was there this shooting, there was a series of protests in Wisconsin. And on Tuesday night, those protests in Kenosha, they took a pretty nasty turn. Demonstrators protesting the police shooting. And on Tuesday night, two people were killed during the demonstrations when a gunman opened fire. A 17-year-old was arrested for the shooting. The Raptors are scheduled to play the Celtics on Thursday. It's unclear at this point if that game will happen. Boycotting, you know... Uh, the game has, has come up for them and, and as a way to, again, try to demand a little more action. Because for the players. There's really a lot of, you know, things that are way bigger than basketball going on. Like, you want to be able to play, you want to be able to, you know, because at the end of the day, we know that basketball brings something to, to, to people. But at the same time, just seeing that happening every day, man, like, it's, it's tough. Now, we've seen other sports leagues showing their support for the players in the NBA. In Major League Baseball, the Milwaukee Brewers and Cincinnati Reds also called off their game this evening. Tennis player Naomi Osaka has announced she is pulling out of the Western and Southern Open semifinals. The NHL didn't cancel games, but instead they had a moment of reflection. So as Erica mentioned, the NHL decided to show its solidarity with the NBA players through what they called this moment of reflection. And that happened before the games between the Colorado Avalanche and Dallas Stars and Edmonton. And then, of course, before the game between the Boston Bruins and Tampa Bay Lightning, which was played in Toronto. But former NHL goaltender and now Hockey Canada, Hockey Night in Canada panelist Kelly Rudy, he didn't like what the NHL players did. 
I don't think we should be here. I think the NHL uh, should postpone the games. Uh, I really feel that we should be more supportive of Black Lives Matter. Um, I know for myself, instead of watching hockey, I'd prefer to be having this conversation with my family. Uh, I've said many months ago when I made my video about Black Lives Matter, it means something to me. And uh, we've had many conversations with our family about this issue. And uh, I think we should continue on. And today would be a great day to do that. And I think that the NHL is missing out. Uh, this would be a, uh, an important night for many families to uh, have the discussion again. Like I said, we've lost count how many times we've had the discussion about Black Lives Matter. So I'm disappointed that we're talking about hockey tonight. All this took place on the fourth anniversary of the first time then NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick initiated his movement to kneel during the American National Anthem. NBA analyst and former player Kenny Smith walked off the set of TNT's NBA coverage. I don't know if I'm even appropriate enough to say it, what the, what the players are feeling and how they're feeling. And um, I haven't talked to any of the players. I'm just but like coming in, even like driving here and getting into, into, the, into the studio, hearing calls and people talking. And for me, I think the biggest thing now is to kind of, as a black man, as a former player, I think it's for, best for me to support the players and just not be here tonight. And figure out what happens after that. That last sound is Kenny Smith taking off his uh, microphone and battery pack and walking off the set in uh, solidarity with uh, the current players. And uh, there are going to be lots more discussions over the next uh, several days. Apparently last night, the Los Angeles Lakers and Los Angeles Clippers voted to terminate the NBA season, but the rest of the teams reportedly are not in favor of that move. So uh, lots more news on this throughout the day, I'm sure, Brett. I want to talk right now about the dumb things that we have done that could have so easily been avoided. And if you're just tuning in, yesterday I went golfing. And on the 18th hole, the last hole, we're around the green, so we're about to wrap up the round. I hit my ball just shy of the water, like two inches from the water. It was on a slight slope, and it was a bit of an awkward stance. And as I was getting set up, I just took a careless step, and I went into the water knee-deep, with my left leg and I was going down so I had to go in with my right leg too to make sure I didn't fall completely in the water and it was disgusting swampy gross water my shoes are now clean I cleaned them up but they stink uh, so I'm really <laughs> mad at myself for it was such a stupid mistake so we wanted to go around the horn here and talk about the dumb things that we've done you can text us as well 204-780-6868 producer Kyle I'm looking at you right now on the monitor here hi what dumb things have you done that you could have just so um, you know, easily avoided? If it was later in the day, I'd text my wife to get some more options that I could think of. Um, one that That's is, three days in a row yeah. where you're like, I don't really have any no, ideas. I have, good, I have a good one. I have a, a minor one that I thought of for some reason today. Um, so in the old building, uh, downtown Polo Park there, um, I was making. I was going to the kitchen to make a coffee. Jeff Courier was there. He was making a coffee. He was in the Keurig, just sitting there, pouring coffee. I go to grab my coffee. I take his coffee while it's going and move it out of the way. And he goes, what the heck are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sorry. Like, 
<laughs> just I'm like, I'm really sorry. I just I guess I wanted coffee more than you did. I don't know. <laughs> I made it I made him another coffee first then before I made it. Not it was it was not it was going. It was halfway done and so it just spilled coffee everywhere. It it's all about really you, weird. eh, Melroy? All about me, baby. <laughs> Jeff Braun. Uh, mine's also a golfing one, Brett, and it was, this is about 15 years ago, I would say. I'm out on the course for the first time in probably a decade, because I just, I don't golf that often. So I went out there for the first time, hadn't golfed in forever. Tee off, first tee shot, terrible, like it always is. It lands right by whatever the first tree on that golf course was. And the tree is right behind me where I'm standing, lining up my shot. And I mean like right behind me. And it didn't occur to me that, you know, it's going to be hard to swing a golf club when there's a tree right behind you. Oh, no. And I just go right into my backswing and I wrap the five iron around the tree. Like I had to yank on it to get it literally wrapped around this little tree. It was bizarre. <laughs> and the club was just trash. It was just garbage. So I was like, wow, one shot wrecked one club. <laughs> Welcome back to golf. So that's why I never go golfing. <laughs> that's a great way to start a round of golf. Kelly Moore, what about you? Well, we uh, had this old VCR one time, and uh, a tape got stuck in it. So I thought I would try to remove said videotape with a butter knife. Then I took the VCR to a repair shop on Portage (laughs) Avenue, and the fellow at the VCR shop said, who is the moron who tried to stick, it looks like a moron tried to stick a butter knife in this thing. I said, oh, I'll have to talk to the kids when I get home. <laughs> you were trying to get out the grilled cheese sandwich that somebody else had stuck in there, right, Kelly? Yeah, and then I confessed as to who the real perpetrator was. Oh, you're a good man, yeah, Kel. Yeah. Loren McNabb. Well, most of my, I mean, I have, I have lots of things where I've done work because I'm moving so quickly sometimes or talking so fast that I will, will make mistakes like that. But I, the blunder I've made repeatedly, and I'm literally lock, knocking on wood right now, is locking my keys in the car. And I've done it so many times, but the worst one was when my oldest, who was just a newborn, or maybe about six months old, was in the car. And I went to... Um, I had stopped breastfeeding and was using formula because I was out and I went to go mix a bottle in the trunk and then left, locked the keys in the trunk, which effectively locked my kid in the car. And I just stood there with this bottle staring at him and thank God had my phone and uh, CAA came right away. But I forever now will never, ever set my keys down and I just keep them on me or in my pocket or like holding on with my purse because I have so many times locked my keys in the car and it's cost me money or almost stress me out with my kid that I I really feel like it's the worst thing I've every time someone says what parenting mistake have you made it's that one. Oh boy Mackling oh way too many things to choose from but I guess the one that relates closest to what you did was about 25 years ago I was living in Charleswood and one of my best buddies was house sitting a couple of blocks away and we wanted to go to a house party on a Cinnaboyne Avenue which was really just a three-wood across the Assiniboine River from where we were. And so we thought, as opposed to taking a cab or getting a ride, we'd just walk across the river, which was supposedly frozen at the time. I took three steps in and was up to my knees in the Assiniboine River and uh, ran back to the house, got all my clothes off and uh, sat shivering. 
and uh, drinking alcohol to uh, get myself warm. <laughs> uh, we ended up going to the party, but I mean, come on, I was just stupid. My mom always said, stay away from the water. I always obeyed that. And the one time, the one time I went against that advice, I ended up in the river. It feels like a lifetime ago, given all that's happened over the past few months. But it was just last year the Prime Minister announced a plan to ban single-use plastics as early as 2021. In fact, Trudeau made that promise last summer in the lead-up to the fall election. Then COVID hit. It's not only delayed or derailed many plans and promises, it's also changing the way we shop and how we feel about buying foods wrapped in non-recyclable plastic, Loren. Yeah, it does feel like a lifetime ago, though, when you frame it like this, because I, I, when I went looking this morning, it was hard for me to remember when that promise had been made, what the deadline was, are we anywhere near closer to it? And, you know, the bigger question, do we care the way we used to even a year ago? So much has changed. And for that reason, Sylvain Charlebois, who's with the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Del Hall, Dalhousie University, they've looked into Canadians' attitudes towards plastics a few times over this past few years, and they wanted to see what's changed in COVID. And so he joins us now to explain. Good morning, Sylvain. Hey, good morning. What did your study find? Well, so we did uh, conduct a study last year, and because, of course, last year everyone was talking about plastics. It was, it was the enemy, and it took the food industry by surprise, so we wanted to know what Canadians thought and overwhelmingly, Keynes wanted plastics uh, to disappear, essentially. And we saw graphic pictures, uh, turtles with straws in their nose. I mean, I think everyone has seen some horrific pictures. And every spring, we saw uh, garbage in parks, uh, on, uh, on the side of the road, everywhere. And people uh, became sensitive to the issue. Uh, and so that's why we saw a lot of announcement. I think Manitoba was the second province to decide to ban plastics. And so you could see that there was momentum up until March. <laughs> March, well, everything changed. It was about survival. It was about keeping safe. It was about uh, making sure that our food is safe because we – Really, let's face it, we don't know much about this virus from a scientific perspective. So you want to make sure that that the food is being served or being sold at grocery stores are safe or the food that is being delivered to your home is as safe as possible. And plastics became your friend again. And clearly, based on our results, uh, our survey that we conducted this summer, uh, a lot of Canadians are actually not overly keen now to see bans. They just want industry and governments to wait until we're done with this pandemic. Cost is top of mind in many decisions. The more environmentally friendly, safe to say, the higher the cost? Absolutely. Uh, obviously, the, the, uh, last year we, we did make a case with our study that uh, we need to remind ourselves why plastics uh, were part of our lives. Uh, it, it is a cheap alternative, and it is a very effective to keep our food safe. To replace that, uh, and I'm not saying that it's undesirable. I think it's important that we actually have a plan. But to replace plastic will cost more money. And so, of course, last year we realized that only 17% of Canadians were willing to pay no more than 2% more for their food to get green, to have access to green packaging or to get rid of plastics. 
that threshold has gone down to below 10% now. And, of course, for everyone receiving CERB, it's much worse. If your professional situation has changed, you're way more sensitive to price points, more so than before COVID. Sylvain, I was always hopeful that there would be a place for for restaurants in particular that wanted to go a certain way with their takeout packaging to win points or with their customers by being environmentally friendly, whether it be biodegradable or reusable plastic containers. Uh, do you think there's still an opportunity potentially with more of us ordering more takeout and delivery to to find a niche with with these types of products uh, containing our food? Probably. We actually did find out that the younger generations who tend to actually order more food online, whether it's by using food delivery apps or just ordering groceries, uh, they, they have increased their, uh, their plastic consumption, quote-unquote. We are using more plastics as an economy uh, since the beginning of, of this pandemic. So... And so our, our message today is that our current path is, is not sustainable, and I think most Canadians actually agree. Um, but oceans, parks, uh, don't really care about COVID. I mean, it's just a problem we need to resolve. I think last year, Premier Pallister, other premiers, and the Prime Minister came forward with, with a new plan uh, for the right reasons, uh, we think, uh, as a team. Uh, those reasons haven't disappeared. They're still there. It's just right now the focus is very much on public health, and, and perhaps we should, we should keep in mind that you can't really resolve the plastic issue by putting everything on hold. I mean, it's, this, to find solutions takes, takes money, takes time as well, because you need vertical coordination. You need companies to work together. Sylvain Charlebois with the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Sylvain, thank you for this as always. My pleasure. Teachers head back to class next week with the Manitoba students, Loren, following on September 8th. Yeah, a lot of work, of course, has gone into prepping these classrooms, the hallways, the gym, even just the buses and the entrances and exits for kids, all, of course, because of COVID-19. And so this week, Global's Marnie Blunt was welcomed inside the Winnipeg Mennonite Elementary and Middle School in Westwood to see what changes it's made to try and keep students safe. And she joins us now. Good morning, Marnie. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on and for doing the tour, because that's been the big question for so many parents. What's it going to look like when these kids walk back into class? And that might be different depending on what school or division you're in. So tell us what you saw. Yeah, well, it's safe to say that uh, the first day of school and the start of the school year will look quite a bit different different this year. Um, In the hallways, there's lots of obviously physical distancing and directional arrows to make sure that students are going uh, in one direction and exiting uh, certain doors and exiting other doors. Um, And then the classrooms have been completely rearranged. Uh, Obviously, they're buying hand sanitizer in the bulk that's at each doorway. Um, but this is also kind of an opportunity for parent, or teachers actually to declutter the classrooms um, and move out anything that they really don't need or contact surfaces and reduce that in the classrooms to basically make more space so desks and tables can actually be six feet apart. 
Um, in some schools, that's a bit more of a challenge than others. In the school that I was in, they actually have about 200 students in that school. So they do have the space to help with that physical distancing. Um, for some of the uh, lower grades, the younger children that sit at tables, They've actually ordered plexiglass barriers to bring in to uh, put that barrier between the children so they can uh, sit in the classroom safely. Um, they're also, uh, students can only have certain supplies. Uh, they're bringing in their own supplies and any shared items are actually being rotated through. Uh, so they have time to be properly sanitized and then uh, actually like shelved or quarantined. Uh, that's like books or toys for younger students. Um, and then the teacher can cycle them through to make sure that they're safe for the students to use. Marnie, I've spoken to several restaurant owners over the last several months, and that plexiglass is very expensive. Any idea of what this school is spending to help keep their students safe? Yeah, you know, I'm not actually sure exactly how much those plexiglass barriers cost. I know it is obviously another added expense for school divisions. We did have some announcements from the province yesterday Um or earlier this week, actually, about putting more money towards uh, schools to help them bring back students safely, about $52 million, and then there was $48 million that uh, school divisions saved after they closed last spring, so that money will be going towards certain things like that. Marnie, you also spoke to a mom on how she's preparing. What did you learn from her? Yeah, well, she, like most parents, are actually quite excited to get the kids back to class and back into a routine and a sense of normalcy. Um, I have spoke to some parents, uh, different parents, and they are there's kind of a mixed bag with how they're feeling, especially with numbers rising. Um, Wendy Swanston was the parent at the Winnipeg Mennonite Elementary School. Here's a look at what she had to say. Um, being mindful of those statistics, I, I think, is important and not getting swept up in, in any hysteria. I, I think there's about finding a balance that students need to be in school the reality that parents need to be at work and we have to find a way to live with it. So she's obviously had conversations with her kids too, Marnie, about how to prepare them because it's the schools have to do some prep work and then of course so do moms and dads in terms of what they're saying. Yeah, absolutely. So actually there was probably some overlap between what the teachers are going to have, the types of conversations they're going to have to have with their kids and other types of conversations that parents are going to have. Now obviously physical distancing, proper hand hygiene, uh, wearing masks, all the stuff that we've been uh, hearing over the past few months are going to be lessons number one in the classroom. And really, the teachers were also saying that they won't, they're not too concerned about that because you shouldn't take for granted how much students and young children actually know and how much they've observed and picked up over the past few months. So there will be some lessons on the importance of physical distancing and wearing masks and all that, but the students are actually probably pretty well versed in it already. All right, Global's Marnie Blunt joining us live on 680 CJOB. Marnie, thank you so much. Thank you. Nice to see one of our colleagues live in person, Greg. No kidding, even if they are in that fishbowl of a newsroom. But uh, <laughs> she's, she's right there. We can almost so high-five her. Not that we would in this day and age. Maybe oh, an yeah. elbow bump yeah. at the very most. What do you do well, We've got glass, right? Like, we're separated, and so I guess it makes sense that you're going to see some of that stuff in schools as well, guys. That's oh, a yeah. really good point. We've got our rock glass window security system. You can check it out, unbreakablewindows.com, yeah. at, uh, keeping us uh, separated here. And Johnny Rockglass actually messaged us yesterday on Instagram uh, to say that they're, they're almost ready to go with their uh, four-way dividers as well. So they're, they're cooking up some neat stuff uh, to keep everybody safe. You can't grow pot at home. That's the law in this province, Loren. 
Yeah, and when the province made that decision back in 2017, when cannabis was working to become legal in this country, Heather Stephenson, who was the then justice minister at the time, she said that approach to banned homegrown pot was what she called consistent, quote, with their commitment to protect youth and responds directly to their concerns that homegrown cannabis may be diverted to the black market. So back then in 2017, when Manitoba announced that that was going to be the law, it and Quebec were the only provinces in the country to have that ban on homegrown marijuana. Then in Quebec, a constitutional challenge was filed and the rules in that province changed. And so our next guest, Greg, is hoping a similar challenge here will open up the door for homegrown pot. Our next guest's name is Jesse Lavoie. He joins us on the phone. Uh, Good morning, Jesse. Hello, everybody. This is the first time on radio. Nice to have, uh, thank you for having me on. Well, it's our pleasure and welcome. And, uh, you know, uh, no matter, in my opinion, no matter how I feel about a topic, someone passionate enough to stand up for what they believe in has my uh, mad respect. So why are you doing this, Jesse? Well, like myself, uh, many Manitobans are unable to grow cannabis at home uh, for personal use. And we are forced to buy at uh, recreational cannabis stores, upwards of $15 per gram. Uh, you know, in one harvest, it takes about four months. You can pull roughly 400 grams from four plants. So you times 400 by 15. That's a lot of money um, not being saved by Manitobans. But that is being that is being enjoyed across the country. Sorry, everyone. I'm a little nervous. First time on radio. Oh, hey, you're doing great so far. There's nothing to be nervous about. Just think about it. Think like we're just having a coffee at the coffee shop. You just filed the papers in Manitoba this week. What's next? What's next is we're going to file my affidavit, which lays out exactly how I've been um, wronged by this law and uh, pretty much lays out our case. And then we're going to wait for uh, the court date. I I know times right now with COVID, uh, things might be pushed back a little bit. But we are hoping for next month because we want to make this quick to get Manitobans growing. So you just outlined your reasons, one of them being the cost. I did the math there. You're talking about the idea that what you could harvest from a plant versus what you would buy in the store would might end up costing you an extra seven sixty seven hundred dollars a year by my math, Jesse. So there's a cost factor. What about just having the right to do in your home what many other Canadians are being allowed to do in their homes. What's, what's your thoughts on the fact that the province says, well, if you do that, you're going to, maybe the pot will end up in the black market. So I understand their reasoning a few years ago that, you know, legal cannabis is a new thing to everybody. And, you know, having people grow hundreds of grams at home, you know, does sound a little scary when it's new, but for the last two years there, there really hasn't been any issues across Canada with anyone growing at home and selling out to the black market. And to your point, yes, like I, I have a garden at home of non-cannabis plants and I thoroughly enjoy taking care of them all day. And being in the cannabis industry for the last uh, three plus years, I've always wanted to grow my own cannabis. But unfortunately, I've picked the wrong, wrong province to live in on that front. So I'm really hoping to make that change. So Jesse, for those of us that don't indulge in marijuana consumption, maybe you can uh, give us a, a description of maybe the difference in quality and the and the comfort in, in controlling the product that you would have by growing your own marijuana. No, absolutely. So think of it like a, a nice bottle of wine or a nice bottle of whiskey. The, the better the cannabis is grown and you know has stronger THC and CBD factors and, and terpenes in it, the better effect and experience you'll have. So our licensed producers across Canada are doing a great job growing quality cannabis. Um, at home, if you, if you follow, you know, there's tons of YouTube videos to help you grow. 
lots of information out there. Uh, you, you could start to pull similar yields and quality from your own cannabis at home. You can grow indoor or outdoor. Outdoor, you get a little better yield. Indoor, you can control the environment to your liking and to that of the plant. And um, yes, I, I just really want to see this law changed. And, you know, I plan to see this through to the end. Um, yeah, I hope that answers that question. Do you use marijuana just because you dig it, or do you use it for anything like anxiety or maybe medical reasons? So I used to be a prison guard for the Manitoba government, and I was involved in a very violent incident that left me with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I used it for uh, medical purposes for years, and now I've overcome that, and now I just use it for for, uh, personal use and wellness. I don't uh, drink alcohol or use tobacco. This is my my one thing. So unfortunately, my one thing is costing me a lot of money because I use upwards of two grams a day. It's costing you money. Is there an argument to be made from the province's perspective, though, that if it allows for the sale of homegrown pot, the money it will make or it receives in taxes uh, will be far less? Do you feel like the cost is any part of the equation from that perspective? And, And that might be one of the arguments? I actually disagree with that argument. Um, the black market, and sorry, the illegal market, is, is known as the black market, is dominating the cannabis uh, market in, in Manitoba. It's much better cannabis for much less money. And I, I think if the, if the government does reverse this ban, they can make tax dollars on seeds, they can make tax dollars on grow equipment. People saving money on buying cannabis can spend that on accessories or devices to use that cannabis. So instead of losing market share and tax dollars to the illegal market, they can reverse this ban and start taxing everything that goes along with it. Yeah, I think uh, that's a, a good way to look at it, uh, especially when you when you, you lay it out in a reasonable fashion. The fact that Quebec is already won in court, how does that make you feel? Uh, optimistic or is there still some trepidation there, Jesse? Well, Quebec uh, did reverse the law back in 2019. Uh, the judge that did that has the same last name as me, so that's really added some fuel to my fire. Unfortunately, the Quebec government ha- is in the appeal process for that, so the ban still stands in Quebec, even though that that law was, was judged to be unconstitutional. But hopefully Quebec can uh, get out of that appeal with a victory, and I'm happy to start the process here in Manitoba. So you say you're prepared to see this through to the end, but this could go on for a long time. Exactly. Yes, I've um, lots, all the information can be found on tobagrown.ca, and I have started a GoFundMe to to help me with uh, to get this to the Supreme Court of Appeal if need be. Um, on that GoFundMe, any any funds that are unused are going to go to three amazing charities in in Manitoba: the Winnipeg Harvest, Manitoba Métis Heritage Fund, and Habitat for Humanity Manitoba. So yes, it could be a very long and expensive road, but it is a challenge that I'm I'm ready to see through. For a guy who said he was nervous, he did a tremendous job in outlining your position on this, Jesse. You're welcome on this radio station anytime. Very reasonable arguments in my mind, and good luck. Keep us informed on how things are moving along, okay? Will do. Thank you so much, and have a great day, Manitoba. All right, here we go. Let's give away a large two-topping pizza for Santa Lucia. And I found a good question. This should be a fun one today. According to the consensus on social media... Women would like to see more men wearing this. What is it? <laughs> Consensus on social media. Sure, Holy crow. Let's find there out. There is such a thing. Go to the. Let's go to the phones. Greg, who's hey, up Sean. First? Good morning, Sean. Hi. There. Hi. Hi. What's your guess? 
Um, I'm going to say um, muscle shirt. No, it is not a muscle shirt. More muscle shirts? <laughs> not less muscle shirts, more I muscle shirts. Sorry, that. Sean. Ursula, good morning. Good morning. What would you think? I think a pair of nice tight jeans. <laughs> <laughs> would you like to see that, Ursula? Find me? Would you like to see that? I would love to see that. <laughs> it's not and the answer. Ursula, stay on hold just in case we don't manage to give away this pizza. <laughs> okay. Who's up next? Good morning, Bernie. Good morning. What do you think? Uh, let's try a kilt. No, not a kilt. More oh, kilts. That's an guess, interesting though. guess. Okay. Right. Good morning, Holly. Is it a color? No, it's not a color. Okay. But Thanks. Your good guess could be just quite a women would like to see more men wearing burgundy. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Who's next? Marie is next. Marie, what do you think uh, social media has finally agreed upon here? A well-fitted suit? No, it is not a well-fitted oh, suit. like Johnny on Schitt's Creek. Oh, I will say, that as far out of all the guesses we've had so far, muscle shirt was the closest oh, to the right really? track. Okay. I don't think it's brokinis. Uh, Ron, good morning. A suit? Yeah. No, not the answer. Okay. Suit up. But that, no, that's not the shirt was on the right track. Yep, that's mm. the closest one so far. Okay, Karen, the pressure's on here. What do you think? Uh, fedora. More fedoras. Ooh, I miss that. I would like to wear a Very fedora. classy. Yeah. I like that, Karen. That's not the right answer, but we All like right. your answer. I would, I would, uh, I'll give this hint. Maybe think uh, circa like 1970s NBA. What's your, who's up next? <laughs> okay. Uh, Erica. Good morning, Erica. Hi. Hi there. Did you get uh, Brett's last clue there? Yeah, I guess my answer's wrong because the answer I said was purses. More that purses. Is, that is incorrect. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. We're going to go to Jerry. Good morning, Jerry. Jock. A jock? <laughs> <laughs> More jock straps. <laughs> uh, no, that's not it, but that's good. Uh, what do we got next? Carol. Good morning, Carol. Hi. What's your guess? A uh, vest? No, not a vest. Okay. Not a vest. Again, it's it's athletic. Think athletic. See my vest. See my vest. Is real gorilla chest. Uh, Carol, Ursula. Oh, here, Marco. Good morning, Marco. Hi. What's your guess? My guess is Speedo. <laughs> We're almost there. We're almost there. I can't give you that, though. That's not it. But it's on the right track. You like Speedos, Loren? No. Greg, who Unless I'm at the Olympics, watching the Olympics, and they're Olympic swimmers. <laughs> yeah, no, good point. the answer is no. There are certain people who can pull it off. Danny, can you pull off a Speedo or put on a Speedo? Uh, I don't think I'd pull it off. No? Okay. What's your guess? My guess is uh, shorts that are a few inches above the knee. I'm going to give that to you. The answer is short shorts. Short shorts. When you said the NBA thing, I knew right away where you were going. Some of those shorts those NBA players used to wear were absolutely ridiculously short. Yeah, Lorraine, And we want to see more short shorts. No, I was just thinking yesterday. I can't remember where I was. Oh, I was doing a bit more of my back-to-school stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, why is everyone, everywhere I look, it felt like people were in short shorts. No. I think short shorts are... 
too short. Yeah. Well, for everybody. Apparently, this social media consensus is women would like to see more men wearing short shorts. No. Sorry, I've already forgotten the name of our winner. What's Danny, that? congratulations. Stick around. Okay, I'm going to put you on hold. Kyle Milroy needs to get some information from you so we can feed you. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. But what's it called? Whoop and holler. I want to say whoop, but it's whoop. Like whoop, 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 whoop. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.